The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Tuesday, May 28th, 2019, and you are tuned into the fastest half hour in podcasting. Welcome to HDM Sports. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's the real RBV, Rick. Why don't you say hello to the people? Whew. It's me. It's me. It's that art of the beat of the beat. Rick Vickery, and I learned a very tough life lesson today. Uh, I made a huge mistake this morning. It was something I, I never should have done. I found out that I'm better I'm better off suited talking athletics than trying to be athletic anymore. I went out and actually exercised, believe it or not. Oh, you poor uh, bastard. Terrible, terrible mistake. My legs are on fire. Uh, and then ultimately, too, got stuck in one of these wonderful downpours that we're having here in Ohio right now. So uh, I am a little bit more dried off, but I was soaking wet. Sore as hell, but still ready to talk. Some sports here on Hashtag HTM Sports. Big Joe wants to know if this show is a work or a shoot. I can guarantee you it's a little bit of both, according to Dave Meltzer. Huckleberry, let's go ahead and let's start with the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, we're going to lead with NHL because the NHL is important right now. Uh, Huckleberry, last night we saw Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals, and it's over. It's over. This series is over after that game last night. The Boston Bruins give away game one. They had St. Louis down two to nothing. The Bru or the, they had Boston down two to nothing. The Bruins come back and take out St. Louis four to two. St. Louis led two nothing with five minutes gone inside of the second period. And then we saw the hit from hell. Tory Krug helmetless goes down the ice, takes out Robert Thomas, and from that moment on, this series is over. Well, you want to talk just just about the game itself here. You know, last night, a Monday night is what you expect from Monday night sports-related television. I mean, this was compelling. This was drama at its finest. Uh, unfortunately, we can't get that over on the USA Network, but they were delivering here in front of a national audience. Uh, everybody's so locked in. I saw some of the early numbers on this. I think it drew a, a tremendous number, so there is a great interest here in this final Sure, exactly right, Jargo. I mean, to come in here on the road in Boston, St. Louis, knowing that they have to make a statement to go up 2-0, and then to see that tie begin to turn the way that it did there earlier, closer to midway through the the second period there, to see that all start slipping away, to see just that that 2-0 lead, eventually, you know, the the fourth goal was in an open net, so not really too much to take away from that there. But you, you still have to know, you're on the road against the highest team in in the NHL, you've got them on the ropes. I mean, this could be a series-changing 
moment for you. And to have that slip away has to be ultimately very demoralizing for the Blues. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I, I was wrong. I was wrong. This is in this week's edition of Where Jargo Fucked Up. I said this game that this series was going to go five games. And that was because I thought St. Louis was going to go into Boston game one. They were going to get the Bruins after having 11 days off. I thought it would take one game for the Bruins to actually put things back together and remember how to play hockey. It took them about 17 minutes. Uh, I, I, I don't see any way that St. Louis comes back from this. I mean, you talk about demoralizing. This is just like a kick right square in the balls. Well, and, and that's just not just that you would drop these early games in Boston. I mean, that, that's kind of expected. Although, you know, we've talked about multiple times here on hashtag HCM Sports, having that delay in hockey is much different than, let's say, the the NBA, where we're gonna we're gonna see that with the Warriors. You want to remain keep that hot hand between the pipes. I mean, it, it took the Bruins a little bit to get back to where they were. They eventually got there. But if you're the Blues, even if you go in there and lose these early games, you wanted to play those tough and then hope that maybe you go home on that home ice advantage and be able to pick off a game or two to make a series out of this. But to see to see this unfold the way that it did in Boston, I mean, it, they have to be re- regrouping in St. Louis right now. And, it, you know, really, ultimately, this is going to come down on the veterans there, the leaders and the coaching to try to rally this team. But it, it's got to be hard you know, to get that out of the back of your mind, especially, I mean, their goalie is so young as well. Yeah, he's a rookie. I feel bad for Bennington because, you know, coming out of that first period, he's got to be thinking, all right, it's it's the finals. And, yeah, that was a little bit more intense than I'm used to. But, hey, we're up two to nothing. And then Boston assaulted him. 18 to three shots on goal in favor of Boston in that second period. They finish up the game 38 to 20. St. Louis got off 20 shots and Bennington faced 38. I mean, giving up only, well, really three is pretty damn good for that kid, but he's got to get some support. You can't be giving up 38 shots. Well, I was going to say, if it's a look at the percentages, he kind of, he fared pretty well. I mean, it's just, he's getting shot at left and right. It's like going in front of a firing squad there. I mean, how much can you withstand? All right, let's let's uh, go ahead and pivot. Let's talk about the other finals that are getting ready to kick off. I find it so weird that there's a Canadian team in the NBA finals and two American teams playing in the NHL finals. It's it's a strange, strange world that we live in, Huckleberry. Golden State and Toronto tips off on Thursday. Is that right? Why are we waiting all the way until Thursday? Well, hey, you're, you're the TV guy here. I, we're looking at prime prime market spots, advertising, pushing that break. Well, and then you know, also they, they were hoping, you know, we would you'd have more. You try to even out the break between these two teams to give them an equal playing field. You know, not realizing that Golden State's going to go in there after just four games, where the other series was going to be maxed out. See, I figure that they would launch on Wednesday because then you could run Wednesday, you could run Friday, and you could run Sunday, and you could get two games on the weekend because this thing's going to be a split. The way is it mandatory that they have to have a break between each one? They won't run back to back. I don't believe the they run back to back inside the finals. Hell, normally it seems like sometimes there's three to four days between games yeah, in the finals. I actually, I actually have not looked at exactly that, but just kind of remembering back to years past. Uh, you know, all the years that you know that Cleveland was making, trying to get make this run against Golden State. 
uh, remembering their schedule. So I'm willing to bet, you know, you're going to get Thursday, which is a Thursday night. It's a, it's a nice little time slot there. you got people at home. Then I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them sit out Friday and Saturday. We're heading into the summertime now. People are out doing things. They're not sitting at home watching television. I expect game two would probably be Sunday then, right? I would assume. Uh, Big Joe is absolutely delusional. He's like Vince Russo levels of delusional right now. Canada invented basketball? Suck it, USA. Joe, you keep that shit up. Canada's never going to become an official state. But uh, invented, invented basketball. Invented basketball? Kansas isn't part of Canada? There, there's a, I, I, mean, I mean, arguably, it's just as boring and useless, but it is still part of our great United States of America. Speaking of Monday Night oh, Raw. I, I know what it is, because basketball was originally intended to be a girls' sport. So Canada is just kind of adopting it with, you know, under, under their wing. Gotcha. That makes complete sense. I, I think the NBA finals are, it's a very, very interesting story here, Rick, because I feel like if Toronto wins, Kawhi Leonard stays in Toronto. If Golden State wins, Kevin Durant's going to leave Golden State. I'm not exactly sure about what I was looking at this on the run here. Uh, we're looking at Leonard. What did you tell me the other day? Outside advertisers, investors, or just people that are you know, everybody's anting up. Raptors enthusiasts offered him. What did you say? A it's like a hundred million dollar penthouse in Toronto. Hey, we we've been talking about this entire playoff. What is it going to take to make him an absolute legend? That's going to put that. him in that legendary status. I, I believe that he is there. That he has gotten him this far. Now somehow, if he can go out here and pull off the miracle. You know, the, the unthinkable and bring the title to Toronto. Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be they'll be erecting statues of him, you know, throughout the city. Uh, it'd be something incredible. I, you know, the chances are very slim, but I think in any case, I think he'll stay there. And I think, you know, maybe, you know, we talk about how you build these power teams or you're trying to as- attract other stars. You know, possibly after seeing the success that Leonard has had there and the reception that he is actually receiving – that could be very enticing to you know possible free agents that are out there. And we've talked about here before. This is quite a market that's going to be opened up. The guy who invented the sport was born in Canada. You're fake news, Big Joe. You're fake news. Um, Toronto. There's, takes, a reason, there's a reason he got the hell out of there. Toronto takes out Milwaukee after Milwaukee was up two games to nothing. Rick, let's let's start with the Milwaukee perspective on this thing. They had to be feeling great up two games to none going into Toronto, and then they essentially get swept. What do you make of Giannis and company? Is this going to be a recurring thing, or is this a one-and-done for the Milwaukee Bucks? Wait, no, that is the big question. Where are they going from here? I think that I think they continue to surprise people through this entire playoff run. You know, a lot of people, when they lost that first game, hey, we, we said it here. We thought it was over for them. Then they just come charging back out of the gate. They start playing Bucks basketball. But as you get deeper into these playoffs, you know, the game evolves a little bit. I think especially since, you know, remaining in the East and how that is structured and what we can kind of presume going forward, their style is going to keep them – it's going to keep them competitive. It's going to keep them, you know, in that top four each and every year. Now it's about how they adapt. You know, are they going to be able to keep that core together? Do they look for a star here? But I still think I don't think anyone should maybe sell out on the Bucks right now. Uh, you know, much like their their counterparts in pro wrestling, the Young Bucks, people kept counting them out, but they keep on coming back. So I think they're they're set for a little while here. Kawhi Leonard goes off for twenty seven points, seventeen rebounds in Game Six. Uh, I, I 
Rick, we got to applaud the baby dinosaurs up there in Toronto. Uh, you know, it was just a year ago when that team was led by DeMar DeRozan, who they traded to San Antonio. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals. Coach of the year, Dwayne Casey. They fire him and bring in somebody else. Toronto had showed a lot of testicular fortitude to buy all the pro wrestling uh, punditry here. What do you make of this franchise? Do you think they can actually go out and recruit people to come play in Toronto with Kawhi? Well, like I was saying, you know, if if, if people, if other players out there, other stars or, or key, uh, you know, components that they could need to stay competitive each and every year. I mean, they've been close for how long? It's just they it, they really couldn't just get that boulder off their back known as LeBron James. And now it looks like they've been able to do that. They have reached the final. You're seeing the appreciation from that fan base, and it is a tremendous city. So that might be enough reason to attract somebody to go up there. Basketball is a winter sport, and Toronto is in Canada. That is enough to entice any NBA player with millions of dollars to not want to go there. I was going to say, I, I can't remember. Uh, I think it was, it was, a, it was the star for the Florida Gators way back when went to Chicago. Smith. Noah Smith. Joakim Noah. Yeah, that's who I, yeah, that's who I think. Joakim Noah. He actually, the first time he came to Cleveland to play a game, he was sitting, he actually tweeted out something along those lines. He was sitting in his hotel and it was like, why the hell do people come here to play basketball? Right. I mean, like nothing against the city, just simple geography. You know, that's why L.A. is a destination. Miami is a destination. Houston is a destination. It's a winter sport. These guys don't want to live in Toronto in the middle of December and January. You know what? If they're forking out hundred million dollar uh, bachelor pads or whatever for me or, you know, flats for my family, I might be reconsidered. That that is a good point. Um, and then we have Steph Curry's Warriors versus Kevin Durant's Warriors. Rick, we're not entirely sure which team we're going to see. Steve Kerr has come out and said that Kevin Durant is out for game one, which I find a little bit strange. Like, this does not strike me as an injury that he should be out for weeks on. You strained your calf. Boogie Cousins tore a quad, and he's coming back for the Western Comp or for the NBA Finals. But Kevin Durant has a sore calf. Is he already out of Golden State? Well, uh, do you think there are you, you got your conspiracy hat on today? The tinfoil hat is it on? Do you, do you think there's something deeper here that maybe he doesn't want to come back in because they've been so hot? Maybe they're holding him off. Is there a, a deeper injury? I wonder if play? Kevin Durant is hoping that they just go out there and get their asses whipped. And Golden State says, "Wow." We really need Kevin Durant. We're the only team in the league that can offer him a max max contract. We better do that. We better give Kevin Durant all the money that we possibly can and make him the face of our franchise. Because let's face it, that's Steph Curry's team. Well, at that point, it's all, it is Steph Curry's team. I mean, we've talked about this before. You know, it's just Durant's always been a number two, no matter how great he is. I mean, arguably, he's the best player in the world right now. But no, no matter that's the case, he's been a number two. This is this is Curry's team. Going back to the draft, he was taken number two. Even today at Nike, his contract is number two. No matter how amazing he is on the basketball court and revered, you know, and arguably the greatest player, he comes up as a number two. The you know, in every case. But do you really believe he was so petty? He's so petty to want a franchise to fail like that. I mean, whatever. Like if you go out and do another show with someone else, I want you to have success. Yeah, I don't. 
I don't want it to ultimately fail so that you have to come back here to the hitting the you know the hitting the marks podcast network you know to help you know raise us up. I don't think he would be that petty. And, and in any case, even if he wanted to leave, he's going to get that top dollar out there because there's teams out there that, that absolutely need someone like him. But Golden State can pay him more because Golden State can pay him a max max deal. No, I, th- I think he wants to be out there on the floor. I'm going to believe in him here. I'm not going to believe that he is so petty. I think it's competitive nature. He wants you're, to be you're, you're out talking, there with his team. You're talking about a guy who created a fake Twitter account to go at NBA journalists. But no, he would never be that petty. Hey, them fat bastards need to be catfished. I mean, I'm just saying, man, Like that, that does not seem out of Kevin Durant's character to me whatsoever. Not even a little bit. So maybe, let's, maybe that's why he's holding out right now, not returning to the floor. He's out catfishing. That's that's entirely possible. Uh, can, we, can we get Nev, can we get Nev on this? So let's let's take a look at the finals. And Rick, everything says Golden State wins this thing. Golden State wins this thing handily. Even Las Vegas has this thing going five games. All right. So we're we're everybody is taking Golden State here. Which is a little bit worrisome for me as somebody who's pulling for Golden State. Like this kind of the setup for it reminds me of Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas. Mike Tyson was unstoppable. Nobody could beat Mike Tyson. And Buster Douglas straight knocked his ass out. You dig into this thing a little bit more, you will see that Golden State and Toronto played two games against each other this year. Oh yeah, and Toronto won them both. Yeah, it, you're looking, you're comparing regular season here to a sparring match. And then as you're talking boxing, it only takes one knockout blow to take down a champion. In this case, they're going to have to knock them out four times, which is a little bit more difficult. So you don't give Toronto any chance whatsoever? Well, there's always a chance. That's why you lace them up. You know, there was so many years that they barely gave us a chance here in Cleveland, but we got them once. And this could no, be Leonard's I think that was a dream. I think that was a dream. I don't think that actually happened. Well, we got him once, and then they went and got Kevin Durant. You know, I, I still find it hilarious that, you know, they're what? One one co- uh, Kyrie shot away from going for, what, their fifth straight? It's pretty impressive. It's kind of scary. Uh, let's shift. Let's talk a little bit about the NFL, because we had an interesting story come out yesterday, Rick. Todd Gurley, evidently... The Los Angeles Rams are very concerned about Todd Gurley's knee. Now, last year, we saw them bring in C.J. Anderson out of absolutely nowhere. We saw Gurley's carries go way down after they just gave him that big money. Is there a cause for concern in Los Angeles right now? Well, you know, there was all that question even during the playoffs, you know, where we didn't see Gurley at all. Spent most of it on a bike. Right. Uh, and there was question there, you know, are you suiting him up just as a threat to keep the other, you know, keep the opponents on their toes? Or, you know, is there something, is he going to be able to get in there? Is there, is there something deeper rooted here in that injury? Obviously, we've seen the great concern from the Rams here, and, and now they really have to be panicking. This could be an epidemic, you know, once again, to spread league wide going back to the running backs. Can you entrust in the investment there? Going yeah. back to dime a dozen. Yeah, that was exactly my thought when I heard this story, and that's why I put it on the run today. We've talked a lot that we wouldn't draft running backs high. You don't pay running backs a whole lot of money, and this is why. All it takes is one hit, and yeah, he might be able to play football, but he's not going to be Todd Gurley anymore. Is this why they brought in C.J. Anderson? 
I absolutely believe so. You know, even even if they're hoping, you know, at this point, you can't go back and get your money back. You're locked into that deal, which does it sets you know a precedent for the, the rest of the league. And we do see this, you know, in, from other franchises where you go with a two-three back system, and they each have different skill sets, and you have to put those pieces of the puzzle together to complete your successful running game. And as much as the game has changed itself, you know, with the rules and, you know, the fans are kind of on it because it's become so soft. A lot of that happens, you know, as you're going downfield, they're protecting, you know, the passing game and all that. It's still very rough there in the trenches. And as you said, they're just one weird blow, you know, even on a flag. That's not going to take away, you know, pulled ligaments or strains or anything like that or absolutely, you know, just tearing something. OTAs and mini camps underway inside of the NFL. Huckleberry, you got your finger on the pulse of two NFL teams there in the great state of Ohio. How's Cleveland and Cincinnati feeling going into this season? Uh, you know what a lot of it is? Uh, it's kind of like OVE. Thumbs up, thumbs down. It all depends on what end of the state you're on. They're still high on this team in Cleveland. They're not buying into, you know, Vegas kind of dumping on them, moving them down in the division. They're still looking forward to the playoffs. Uh, and in Cincinnati, well, we're just trying to survive a, a Cincinnati Red season and not looking forward to much in the fall. Well, thanks for the segue there because I wanted to talk a little bit of baseball with you as we uh, wrap things up this week. It's crazy. And that was a shoot. <laughs> it's crazy that now you know that the NBA is is wound down to four team or two teams, and the NHL is down to two teams, and the NFL is not necessarily underway full bore yet. Huckleberry, we got to talk baseball. That that season's getting real close. Well, I'm with you. We're getting to the point where it's starting to heat up. Uh, June is where you kind of you get by that first uh, that first corner, that first curve on the track, if you will. And we're starting to see how the season's going to take shape. We're looking at some surprises. You know, can they can they withstand the long haul, or are some of the more you know veteran teams or traditional powerhouses are they going to be able to come in here and catch up? Well, I think the biggest surprise inside all of baseball right now has got to be the best record in baseball, Minnesota Twins. Who in the hell saw that coming? Oh, well, people like Rick and I, we see that coming because they just got out of that terrible contract with Joe Maurer. Now, all of a sudden, they have some money. They can spread things around. They've put together a pitching rotation. And suddenly, the Twins are the most exciting team in baseball. Hey, you know, that's that's why we uh, we kind of consider ourselves the money ball system of podcasting. If we're talking sports, if we're talking wrestling, we look at numbers and we look at trends. And, you know, just not getting out of this big contract, this is typical Twins baseball about every five years. You know, go into that tank a little bit, save up that dough, put together a solid squad and make a run through, you know, through that division. Absolutely not surprised at all. Now the question will be, you know, because, I mean, it is a tough division. And you've had so many teams there that are used to competing at the top hell right here, the Cleveland Indians. You know, are the Twins going to be able to hold them off? Joe, Big Joe says, geez, what's with these damn guys named Joe? I don't know, man. What's going on with guys named Joe? Uh, also at the top, we see the New York Yankees. I don't think that's necessarily a big surprise to anybody in the AL East. I think the only surprise there is how slow Boston has started. And what did Chris Sale do to piss off his catcher, man? Because that dude's ERA has doubled. He can't seem to get anybody out. The only thing I can come up with is the catcher is tipping off the freaking hitters because... This is a completely different player than what we saw last year. I don't understand that one whatsoever. Uh, Joe, by the way, the Toronto Blue Jays, 
they're not in the toilet because, you know, the Baltimore Orioles are also in that division. Uh, inside the Central, the Cleveland Indians playing 500 baseball. That's good for second place. How are things feeling around the Indians, or is this just kind of, yeah, the Indians are there this season? No, I think, you know, there's still a good deal of excitement around them. Uh, it has kind of faded over the last couple of years because they have taken a couple steps back. And really that extends back to when they had that incredible streak and how hot everything was there. And then the letdown where, you know, we were defeated by your Yankees in the playoffs. Uh, so it's kind of cooled since then, but. The team itself has been in a bit of a rebuilding. It hasn't been, you know, it's not a burn it down, rebuild at all, uh, but they've taken a step back, you know, and they've still got some young players that are working on some cheaper contracts. So those are some fears going forward. Is a team going to be able to survive? But this time of the year, as you're saying, playing 500 baseball, where it's, you know, it's not that overwhelming, doesn't sound that impressive, but it keeps you in the game. If you could be hanging around that 500 mark when the calendar hits July, You've got a very good chance. And, you know, talking about 500, go out to that West. I mean, we got people, you know, sitting it's, is second place still under 500? Uh, no, second place, at least in the AL West. Uh, yeah, nope, they're, they're both over. Uh, you, you've okay. got the Oakland Athletics at 29 and 25. They're good for second place in the West right now. And then okay. you have the Houston Assholes, I mean Astros, uh, in, in first place in the West. Here we go again, Rick. Here we go again. It's going to be Houston, and it's going to be Oakland, and everybody is going to fall in love with Oakland, and everybody's going to fall in love with Moneyball, and then they're going to get to the playoffs, and they're going to do some stupid-ass shit like bringing in your closer in the fourth inning because the analytics told me to. So uh, since we, I just compared us to Moneyball, should we just close the show right now? Though? <laughs> uh, yeah, we might want to go home on that one. Uh, actually, no, a couple other teams I wanted to talk about out west, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Yeah, because that's still a thing. Uh, they paid Mike Trout a whole bunch of money, and they, they got to be just tearing things up, right? Nope, they're sitting there at 24 and 29. And then we got Seattle, who paid Robinson Cano all that money to get him out of New York, and that didn't work out, so they traded him back to New York, and they're still up for half of the salary, and they're sitting there at 24 and 32. Well, you know, hold on, though. You know, we're looking at those records, so they're still within a striking distance. I mean, there's not that big of a gap there between the top and the bottom, and you can see that across a lot of these divisions. And the whole the whole setup there out with the angels was they obviously gave that big contract, but you know, we're going to keep one of the best players in the game here. we got a franchise guy. You can invest in this, but the plan there also was, it wasn't going to be immediate this year, but they're hoping that they've got some great young talent in the minors that are going to come up on those cheap deals that would ultimately be payoffs for them when the other teams kind of have to go into their tank mode. Unless you are a team like the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox or the Chicago Cubs or the Los Angeles Dodgers, Stop with the 10-year contracts that are just absolutely outrageous money. All it does is cripple your franchise. That's all it does. Unless you're one of those major market teams that are just making revenue hand over fist. Well, you know, as we talked about, you know, this was it was kind of a play for them. And ultimately, it might backfire. They, they might be able to, you know, <laughs> get back up there in a couple of years or squeeze into a wild card situation. But it, it was a... It was a play on their behalf to try to move up in their own marketplace where they're kind of buried down, you know, between all the sports. The Philadelphia Phillies at 31 and 22. Good for first place there in the NL East. No thanks to Bryce Harper, who got the big money in the offseason. Rick, do you suppose Phillies having a little bit of buyer's remorse at this point? The dude's not even hitting 240. You know, honestly, coming in, you, you look at, again, we're talking about the analytics, the trends, the stats. What did they fully expect from him? I, he, he is streaky. 
Uh, I'm expecting that he will pick that up here a little bit. He usually performs decent to, you know, all-star level for you. He'll start through that starting here in, you know, mid-June, July, August. That's where he's been putting up, you know, those those stats that people were just raving about, but then he dips off again. Really reminds me uh, a comparison that I got to see so much here in Ohio with Jay Bruce. Ooh, yeah, that is a good one. Uh, let's look at the Central real quick. The Chicago Cubs leading the way at 30-22. and 22. I still don't think I buy the Cubs as a legit contender this year. Sorry, Cub fans. Uh, and then all the way down there at the bottom at 25-29, and 29, which actually I'm going to write that up as a win. The way you guys started the season, the Cincinnati Reds, the way they started the season to be even sniffing 500, good on you, Cincinnati. Well, as I was talking before, you know, when we look top to bottom in some of these divisions, who, you know, those that are occupying the cellar, they're, they're not outside of striking distance. And to feel good in Cincinnati, one of the highs that people are on for the Reds right now is the Reds have been having their way with the Cubs this year. Yeah. And you got to be feeling good, you know, when you, when you're looking up through that division and who you have to run through to know that you can handily take care of, you know, those sitting at the top of the mountain. It's a pretty good feeling. Uh, this team, it, they just they they they're having trouble stringing things together. It's either the pitching's working, we're getting no hitting here, uh, you know, or, or vice versa. But uh, hey, a little fun, uh, little fun bit of information here. Well, I was the thing I was going to say, I, I was going to tell you after the show was over, but it seems fitting now that we're talking baseball. One of my great clients down there that I do uh, some of the shows from, Babe's Cafe, uh, there on the west side of Cincinnati. They were running this promotion this year for every Grand Slam the Reds hit. You're giving away a year's worth of free dive bar pies, which is a, a pizza pie. And yesterday was the first Grand Slam. So uh, we, we've got our, our winning ticket announced. We're waiting on someone to come claim it. But but pretty cool. Red to the Grand Slam. Somebody there in the Cincinnati area is going to win a delicious pizza pie free for a year. And, and they're actually going to do that for every Grand Slam. And last year, the Reds hit 11 Grand Slams. Wow. I would literally eat pizza every day for a year. Well, well, there are, uh, please, you know, please read the, the fine print for regulations. Uh-huh. Of course. Uh, let's look at things out west real quick as we wrap things up. The Dodgers, who passed on all the big name contracts this year, leading the way 36 and 18. No surprise to me there. And then we have the San Diego Padres, Diamondbacks, Rockies, and Vince Russo's poor, poor San Francisco Giants bringing up the rear at 21 and 31. Rick, I feel like the West is just the Dodgers, and everybody else. Well, hey, I'm not going to have much to say about the West, but at least your boy Magic Johnson feel good about one of his teams. Oh, that was a low shot. That was a low shot. Shout out to Big Joe for joining us in the chat room today. Free tacos hey, would be better. Rick's waving Joe, at you. Uh, free tacos would be better. We're going to wrap things up, and I'm going to go eat some tacos. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Oh, Thanks for watching. Our, our promotion over on Tuesdays is Tequila Tuesdays. And why? Because we don't serve fucking tacos. What what kind of place doesn't? Why don't you serve tacos? This is American Dive Bar uh, on Cinco de Mayo. Our our promotion was build a wall of beer cans. Build Cin that wall, baby. Cinco de Mayo is an American holiday. The Mexicans don't even celebrate it. Thanks for watching and or listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then hit the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com. You can even listen to Big Joe's show, assuming that I decided that I want to upload it. Uh, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. RBV, how do the people find you? Well, as always, you can keep up with uh, all things RBV across all social media platforms at the real RBV. 
Other than that, uh, my only plans for the evening are to uh, kick back and get caught up on uh, last night's WWE. So yeah, yeah make, sure bastard. Follow, make, sure, make sure to follow me on uh, social media for uh, like a suicide watch. Yeah. Uh, things to look forward to on this week's Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Absolutely nothing from Monday Night Raw, and I doubt it. Anything from Tuesday oh, night's SmackDown? Oh come on, man! We're gonna be throwing. We're jumping in. We're gonna. Hey, we're gonna. We're gonna have a rock party that blows away anything that the Beast has done. We're gonna have a grill out that smokes. That smokes the USO BBQ. We're, we're gonna be getting it done. We're gonna be getting it done this week. We're gonna talk some best of Super Juniors, and we're gonna preview NXT. 25. I'm looking forward to that one. We'll talk to you Friday. Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Hitting the Marks.com for now. We're off like a prom dress. See ya!